Well, good morning. You know, I wonder if you ever have been part of something that wasn't very good. All right? Let me tell you what I mean. So in my life, I think back to uh, elementary baseball league. Um, I was, I played baseball like from, I don't know, t-ball up through sixth grade. And, and the problem with me playing baseball was I couldn't hit the ball. I love playing shortstop. I was a decent fielder, but I just couldn't hit the ball. And so it wasn't really that enjoyable. I was like below average. I was towards the bottom of, you know, the cool kids that were good at baseball. That was not me. So baseball was always a struggle for me. But then it got a little worse because um, not only, you know, was I not good at hitting the ball, which, you know, kind of the point of baseball, um, I was never on a good team, like never, five or six years of always being on a bad team. So not only am I a bad baseball player, I'm a bad baseball player on a bad baseball team. You know what that does to a kid in baseball? It makes them find something else to do. And so as soon as soccer got offered during baseball season, I was in. And let me go do that. I was a lot better. And I didn't want any part of baseball. I know that's almost a sin around St. Louis, but that was the story of, of me growing up and, and baseball. And as I think about that, like, I'm pretty sure that no one really wants to be part of something that isn't really that good. And maybe you've had a, a similar experience, uh, being part of something that's just subpar, right? Maybe it's like a sports team like me or a group project. Some of you may be thinking about your coworkers. Don't tell your boss. Um, but what if we're talking about something that is costly? What if we start talking about something that really affects people's lives. What if it's not some sport like baseball, but what if we start talking about ministry? What if we start talking about ministry at Chapel of the Lake? You know, I wonder if you've really even given it thought, like why are you here? Why are you sitting in the pew? Have you ever thought about what it means to be sitting in the pew in the sanctuary? Because I think it means that at least in some respect, you are part of this ministry. In some way, you are connected to our ministry. And even if this is your first time here this morning, you're thinking, you're considering about, is this ministry worth being a part of? So stick around and You'll hear more. And I don't know about you, but it goes back to if I don't want to waste my time on some silly baseball team, I certainly don't want to waste my time in a ministry. And I don't want to be wasting my time here. And honestly, I don't want to be wasting your time here. And if I want to be part of something that matters, I'm going to need to make sure that here at this church and this ministry that I'm a part of, that we're working to be the type of ministry that we're supposed to be. And so this morning we're going to have a, a ministry check of sorts. 
to make sure that we're all on the same page in terms of what a model church, more specifically this morning, a model ministry is supposed to look like, and then what we're each responsible for as a part of that ministry. And so we're in this series, A Model Church, and we're looking at Paul as he writes to this church in Thessalonica, and we're seeing what we can learn from Paul as he writes. And you know, the thing that I appreciate about this passage this morning, and really the whole book, is Paul doesn't set out to write some treaty about, here's the five steps to a perfect church. Or, or just follow these, this three-step plan, and then you'll be fine. He doesn't even go at it in the, in the way of, here's the rules and here's the list and follow that. He, he doesn't do any of that. It, it's really as we, as we read and we'll read the verses this morning, what we see is Paul's example. In looking at Paul's example, along with Silas and Timothy, we get insight into how he served the church. And as we look and get insight into how they served or ministered among the people at Thessalonica, what we'll see this morning is three marks of a model ministry. Three marks of a model ministry. So keep that in mind and open your Bibles. I encourage you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And if you remember, um, as we saw a little bit last week, Paul, his time in Thessalonica got cut short. He had to leave. There was a mob. There was a crowd. They chased him out. And so he had to leave for not only his safety, but for the safety of the believers in the city. And so he was worried about what was going on and what would happen to this new church and how are these new believers faring. And so he sends Timothy. And Timothy brings back a good report. But what apparently also comes back is that there's some rumblings of discontent. There's some questions about the authenticity of Paul's message. There's some questions about Paul's character or Paul's integrity or Paul's motivation for why he was there. And so he writes back and we, and we see what he writes. And what I like here in this passage is Paul doesn't just attack the people who are his detractors. He doesn't say, don't listen to those people and listen to how, how wrong those people are. He doesn't even mention any of that. He just says, I want to remind you about how I lived among you. And he's saying, remember our example, Paul, Silas, Timothy, as we served among you. And he says, remember. So let's dig in right here. The first few verses of chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that are coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. The first mark of a model ministry is that it's focused on God. A model ministry focuses on God. Look at how Paul presents the gospel and presents his purpose. They had boldness in who? It wasn't themselves. It wasn't anything that they had come up with. 
No, we are bold in God. We had boldness in our God to declare to you their opinion, their thoughts, their philosophy. They had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God. This is where they got their confidence. This is where they were focused on God and His gospel. And Paul purposefully reminds them, he says, remember, none of this was ever about us. It was always about God. It was always about His message. And I know that this is true of Paul and Silas and Timothy because it's the only reasonable explanation for why they're still preaching this gospel. Because he mentions here in verse 2, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know. In Acts chapter 16, we see the story right before he gets to Thessalonica. Paul and Silas heal, cast out a demon of a little girl. And there's backlash. And, And the religious leaders, they don't like this. And they bring them out to the market. They humiliate them. They beat them. They put them in prison. Ironically, they put them in prison. You know what they do in prison? They preach the gospel. And you know what happens when they preach the gospel? Someone gets saved. Even in jail. And then they don't know what to do with them, so they release them from prison. And so what, what does Paul and Silas do? They just go to the next city. And what do they do when they get to that city? They start preaching the gospel of God. How did the people in Thessalonica know that they were that they had suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi? I think there's two reasons. Number one, I think they came limping into Thessalonica. It's not it's not in the text, right? But they were beaten, they were humiliated, they had gone through a whole bunch of stuff. They definitely had scars. They were probably limping. Is how I envisioned them coming to Thessalonica. And then later we see some more people come. That mob that had run them out of one city was following them around. And so they, they got a real view of what happens when Paul and Silas and now Timothy show up and preach the gospel. They suffer. And they're put to shame. It says um, in Acts 17 we see the story in Thessalonica where they're there and it's not too long where they get in trouble and they get, again, run out of the city. And so these people have first-hand experience. Oh yeah, we know Paul and we know Silas and we know they were shamefully treated. And they suffered. Listen, they were focused on God. If they were focused on men, they should change their message. They should find a message that is a little more appealing They should find a message that more people want to hear. Because this isn't a very good plan if they're trying to appeal to people and they're getting run out of cities and being and thrown in prison. But you know what they did? They didn't change their message. Do you know why? Because it wasn't a message of Paul or Silas or Timothy. It was a message from God. It was the gospel of God and God gave them boldness to preach. That's what fuels this ministry. A supreme confidence. A central focus on God. And it's only a life that is totally transformed and empowered by Christ that allows this ministry to flourish. 
And that's where he's saying in verse 3 and verse 4, we're not doing this of ourselves. We didn't come to try to convince you of something, try to get something from you. We've been entrusted with the gospel. It's our obligation. And, and so we speak not to please you, but to please God. This is the mark of a model ministry that is focused on God and His message. So let it be said of Chapel of the Lake. We will preach the gospel with boldness. And that doesn't mean loud, just loud and brash, but it means that we will not compromise or change the message. Let Chapel of the Lake and any ministry that matters exist not to please man, but to please God. And we too will have the same confidence that Paul had that our ministry will not be in vain because lives are being changed by the power of the gospel that we preach. This is the mark of a model ministry. And so you might be wondering, well, well, where do I come in? I'm just sitting here in the pew. Yes, and you are the ministers of Chapel of the Lake. You are ministers of the gospel. And this ministry will live or die by its members. And so we must all ask ourselves, are you devoted to Christ? Are you focused on God and the gospel? We must ask ourselves, why are we here? Is it because it makes me feel good? Is it because it makes the person next to me happy? Or is it because you're devoted to Christ? Are you here because you are part of this ministry and you are excited about this mission that has been given to this church by God? Paul and Silas and Timothy, they weren't concerned with comfort. They weren't concerned with pleasing people. No, they were overwhelming concerned with the gospel of God. But then we dig deeper into the text and we see another mark of a model ministry. Look with me at verse 5. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or for others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were, were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Not only was Paul focused on God, but he clearly had a sincere love for the people that he was serving. A model ministry depends on love. Paul continues to lay it out there. I wasn't there for myself, he says, and, and you know it. And he just describes, and he doesn't have to put up this big defense. He just says, remember how I walked among you, how we served you. For we never came with words of flattery. He's not trying to get something out of them, nor with a pretext for greed. He wasn't just looking for some sort of gain. 
He said, God knows, God is witness, nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or for others. He wasn't looking to make a name for himself. It wasn't about Paul's church or Silas's church or Timothy's church or the ministry of Paul or any of these guys. That's not what they were there for. We could have made demands from you. We're apostles. You probably have heard of us. We're kind of a big deal in the region. And so when we come, we're going to need a nice little tent set up over here, and we're going to, here's our food requirements, and this is when we're available to speak, and make sure you have these things for us. That's, that's not how he came. Apparently, obviously, some people were questioning his motives. And Paul's saying, just remember, that's not true of us. Look at how we acted and talked and served among you. Look at our actions. And through our actions, you can see and you have known our love. And so he says, remember how we did act? We weren't any of these things, but verse 7, this is how we were. But we were gentle among you. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Here's Paul. Pretty big deal. Paul, been through a lot of suffering. Been through prison multiple times. Pretty tough guy, along with Silas. And he's like, I'm gentle, like a nursing mother. He wasn't afraid of that analogy. And I don't think we can stress the example enough. How did he minister? Like a mother nurses her child. I don't know what that, that word picture does for you, but having three kids now and seeing my wife nurse children, it's a special thing. I said earlier, I can't do it. And, you know, there's some unique things about uh, the bond between a mother and a child that I don't think we really even know how to explain. But there's a couple of things that stick out to me. Number one, the mother is giving of herself. Her nutrients, her life, giving to that child. Do you know what she's going to ask back from that child? Nothing. Mom doesn't want anything back. She's giving of herself. You know, I also think of a mother's love displayed through the giving of herself. But I'm sure you've heard of stories, and I've read several this week where Man, there's nothing a mother wouldn't do to protect her children. I've read about mothers ripping off hinges of car doors to get their children out. Mothers strapping their kids in the car seats and throwing, out, throwing them out of windows as they die in a burning fire. Stories like you can't even imagine and why. This is, this is how a mother loves a child. And this is how Paul describes his feelings towards Get this, strangers. He didn't know any of these people before he showed up in town, limping with the gospel. But over a not very long period of time, Paul, Silas, Timothy, they love these people. They give of themselves. Look at verse 8. 
So being affectionately desirous of you. This is actually a continuation of the analogy of a nursing mother because the words here actually mean they're, they're connected and attached. Because we're so attached to you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God. They didn't just come in, preach, 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 or try to fix some project. But also, they were willing to give of their own selves because they had become very dear to us. This is how Paul and Silas and Timothy loved the church, giving himself willingly, like a mother being willing to sacrifice everything that he has for this ministry and these people. You see, the mark of a model ministry, it depends on love. But I'm afraid too many times we get caught up in what we can get from ministry. And so in, instead of focusing on, on what we can give or, or how we can love, we start becoming focused on ourselves. Well, how does, how does the church make me feel? How did the sermon encourage me? I wonder what kind of coffee they have. Did they play the right type of music this morning? That hymn was a little old today. That, mu- <laughs> that music is a little too loud this morning. And if we're not careful, we start making ministry about ourselves. Well, they didn't have the right type of donuts this morning. Actually, they didn't have any donuts this morning. And no one came and visited me and no one called me and why didn't anyone ask me to do this? And all these things are all about me and I'm wondering where we've missed something in here. Paul doesn't say anything about himself. Silas and Timothy don't pipe up and say, hey Paul, you need to remember to put something in here about us. No. The mark of a, of a model ministry is dependent on love. It's focused on others. It's focused on giving and not receiving. And if we want to be this kind of ministry, it means that we have to become this kind of people. A people that love each other like nursing moms wholly attached and connected to one another, willing to sacrifice and give of ourselves for kind of strangers. Someone in this room that you may not even know that well. But this is the mark of a model ministry, that we see people as people, that we just don't come on Sunday morning to hear the gospel preached, but we are willing to give of ourselves. We are willing to sacrifice for the sake of, of the gospel. Because it is no doubt the gospel that is at stake. Paul wasn't writing because he cared about his reputation. Paul wasn't writing just to defend himself or his team. When Paul needed to defend himself, he says, just remember how I lived and how I acted and how I loved. He just points to his motivation by saying, this is how I acted. But he also realizes this. If he, doesn't, if he doesn't love people, and if we don't love people, starting with each other in this room, we will be hindrances to the gospel. Which leads to our last mark of a model ministry. 
play these last couple of verses. Uh, sorry, verse 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you, believers. A model ministry relies on character. It relies on character. Paul knew in this situation, he made it certain that no one would be able to question his integrity, that no one would be able to question his motivation. And so he worked night and day. And he's not talking about doing ministry, preaching. They went and made tents. They worked so that they wouldn't be a burden. They earned their own keep. They worked so that no one could question their motives. So that it would be clear by the way they lived their lives and by the way that they loved people that they were there not for themselves, but for God. For the sake of the ministry and the people in it. They weren't just working. They were being men of godly character. Look at how they describe their actions. Verse 10, they were holy and righteous and blameless. That's how they ministered. Does that mean they were perfect? No. They weren't perfect. But you know what I think it does point to? No one was going to be able to bring a credible finger to point to these guys. Question their character, their integrity, their mission, their motives. No one's bringing an accusation that holds any weight when it comes to Paul and Silas and Timothy, that everyone who witnessed them could speak to the fact that they not only preached the gospel, but they lived the gospel. And so if we want to follow this model of ministry, we need to hold ourselves to the same standard that we understand that it is no longer for ourselves that we live, but it is for Christ. And that means that our reputation and our integrity and our character are all tied to how people receive the gospel. And if we are living in a way that is not holy, that is not righteous, that is not blameless, then it's not just a mar on us, but it's a mar on our Savior. A model ministry is, relies on men and women of godly character. So what does all this mean? And where does all this point? I think it points to one thing. A model ministry is a ministry that matters. I want to be part of something that matters. I hope you want to be part of a ministry that matters. But a ministry that matters is a model ministry. And this is what a model ministry looks like. A ministry that matters will be devoted to God. 
We're not worried about people. We're not worried about anything other than our focus remaining on God and the gospel. And if we're going to be a ministry that matters, we need to stand on God and His Word. A ministry that matters will sincerely love people. And that means not just the people who you want to love. And that means inherently that it's not about you. And that if we want to be a ministry that matters, we're going to have to get a little uncomfortable, be willing to sacrifice, look around this room and say, who don't I know? And I need to know them and I need to love them because I want to be part of a ministry that matters. And if we're focused on God, we won't be able to help but love people. And a ministry that matters will genuinely live out their faith. It's not enough to show up on Sunday morning. It's not enough to say that you believe in Jesus. It's not enough if all you do is walk out of this place and it never changes you. That's not genuine faith. Paul, Silas, Timothy, they demonstrated their love for people by the way they lived, loved, and preached the gospel. Now listen. Are we going to do this perfectly? No. Right? If you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. Yeah. That's us. Here's the gospel. We don't have to. You know what the gospel says? We will fail to be devoted to God. But we look at the one who was always devoted to God. We put our focus on the one who was always about his father's business. We look at the one who showed us what true love really is. We look at the one who demonstrated love by laying down his life for his sheep. The gospel says that we won't do it perfect, but there was one who lived a perfect life of integrity and character. And so while we may miss the mark from time to time, The Gospel says that it's not about me. And this was the truth that Paul and Silas and Timothy brings to Thessalonica. Say, hey, don't. it's not about you. It's about God. And it's about His Gospel. And what is His Gospel? Jesus. And the fact that Jesus was devoted to God perfectly. And that Jesus loved people perfectly. And that Jesus was the perfect one and the perfect character for us. So we don't have to try to live perfect. We depend on the one who was perfect and is perfect. This is how we become a ministry that matters. When it's not about our performance and it's about Christ who has already done it for us. It boils down to you and to me being devoted to God, being sincere in our love, being genuine in our faith, And trusting Christ to fill in the gaps. That's grace. 
I don't know where you're at. But my guess is one of these things is an area of focus for you this morning. Are you devoted to God? Are you devoted to God and His gospel? Do you sincerely love people? Are you genuinely living out your faith outside this building? Just imagine. Just imagine if we would all commit to growing in these three areas. Imagine what would happen if we stopped comparing ourselves to one another and instead looked to Jesus and instead focused on who God called us to be. Imagine if we all came to chapel, not for what we would gain, but for what we could give and how we could love. We would become a model ministry for others and we would become, and in a lot of respects we are, a ministry that matters to God and this world. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we're thankful that it's not up to us. (laughs) That you have equipped us with a Holy Spirit who knows our weaknesses, but it's in our weaknesses that your strength is displayed. And, And so I pray that you help us see and identify maybe some of these gaps in our devotion, in our love, in our character but that we would be dependent on You. That we would look around in this room and, and see and understand that we are in ministry together. And hopefully we're all aligned in purpose in saying that, no, we're, we're here for God. And we're here for the Gospel. And we want to be a place that matters, not just for this life, but for eternity. Lord, give us a vision of what that looks like here at Chapel of the Lake. Help us as individuals be who you have called us to be so that us as a community, as a ministry, would make gospel impact in the world around us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.